Welcome to the Climb Your Mountain podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Maurer, a certified personal trainer, high altitude mountaineer, and ultra runner. Each week, I show you how to train, eat, think, and live like a mountaineer so you can boost your chances of reaching the summit. My passion is to empower people of all ages and sizes to get outside and live lives of adventure. Remember, mountain climbing will never be easier than today. So let's dive into the show. On today's episode, I'm going to share with you the number one thing you can do to get in shape for mountaineering. This tip is so simple, so intuitive, and yet almost everyone gets it wrong, including many personal trainers. Knowing this mountaineering fitness secret sauce is going to help save you so much time, frustration, and confusion during your training, and it's going to drastically increase your odds of success when you actually get to the mountain. So hello, Welcome to episode number one of the Climb Your Mountain podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Maurer, and I am so excited today to be here with you talking about mountaineering and how you can climb the mountain that you've been dreaming of climbing. And for the benefit of folks who may be listening to this in the future, looking back right now, we are actually, it's the beginning of the coronavirus era. It's May, 2020. We've been in quarantine for about eight weeks. No one is getting the workout that they really want. And you may be asking yourself, why is this girl starting a podcast about mountaineering right now? This just seems like a bad time. And I wanna put to you that this is actually the perfect time to start your mountaineering training. And here's the reason. Mountaineering isn't really about fitness per se. Anytime you train for an endurance event, you are actually going on a journey of transformation, as cheesy as it sounds. It is going to be impossible to get to the other side, to get to the mountain, and be the same person as when you started. And it it seems at first like it's all about the fitness, which is why it may seem strange to be talking about mountaineering during quarantine. However, you will learn that really in order to get and become the person that could climb the mountain, you have to change so many things about yourself. You're actually really opening yourself to the transformational fire, and it's going to burn away all of your bad habits, all of your screwed up priorities, all the things in your life that aren't working for you. You're going to have to make so many changes to who you are in a good way in order to become this person who is healthy enough, confident enough, and fit enough to climb the mountain. And the thing that's really cool is that this transformation Transformation happens whether or not you actually succeed in climbing. For those of us that are training during coronavirus time, that are maybe training for trips in the fall, we know that there's a chance that they might not happen. But the training process itself is still worth going through because it's going to make you the person that could do the thing. It's going to bring so many positive changes to your life. And this is true even in the normal time. You might train for four months, get to the mountain, and then the weather is terrible or there's an avalanche in the way or there are riots or political unrest in the country where you're going and you can't even go there. But you still get all the benefits of that training process you're also in a much better position to do it again. Once you do it once, it's so much easier the second time. I speak from experience. A little bit about me. I won't give you my entire biography in a big 
info dump right in the first episode. I'll kind of weave some of my story in as we go. But two things you should know from the start about me. The first one is I started mountaineering relatively late in life. I actually did my high altitude mountaineering course when I was 41. My graduation climb for that was to climb Mount Rainier also when I was 41. So definitely older than a lot of people imagine, but that actually really realistically is the place where a lot of people start. So if you're in your 40s, 50s, thinking about giving this a try for the first time, you're certainly not alone. Another thing to know about me is I am basically here on earth to smash the stereotype that in order to climb a mountain, you need to be an alpha male in your 20s with 6% body fat. If you've seen me on Instagram, I'm short, I'm stocky, I have always struggled with my weights. Literally on the night before we left for Mount Rainier, I climbed onto my friend's, what, a, what is it called? A biometric scale that gives you all your body metrics. And honestly, I think those are actually not that accurate. That's a topic for another show. But it told me I had 30% body fat. And I remember being really devastated and you know what? I went to Rainier. I climbed the mountain. I don't think I had that much more trouble than people with much less body fat. <laughs> um, whatever you perceive a mountaineer should have. So I, did, I didn't start blogging about mountaineering in order to promote body inclusiveness, but it seems to have chosen me. People actually ask me a lot of questions about being a little bit older, about having the stereotypical body, about being female. And I really feel with the podcast, that is my number one goal, to empower you wherever you're at to climb your mountain, if that's something you want to do, because it's going to bring just so much goodness and confidence and adventure and meaning to your life. I really believe this. So with that in mind, let's dive into the topic for today. And we're going to talk about the number one thing you need to do in order to train for mountaineering. And you may be saying to yourself, is this an oversimplification? Can there really only be one step to this process? After all, there are entire books that are very, very thick <laughs> written on this subject. There are elaborate training plans that I can grab online or from a book. There are people that specialize in teaching this and they will work with you for months and months. Can there really only be one step? And my answer is almost. <laughs> it's a little bit of an oversimplification, but I do believe that this is true. If you keep this one principle in mind, that really is 80% of what you need to know to train, and it will encompass about 80% of your training time. And there are some other things you can do that can help, that can make you even stronger, but they're kind of the gravy. And I'm going to give you the big lump of potatoes. And here it is. Get, if you're not driving, get out your, your pencil, write this down, type it in your phone. Here's the secret sauce for mountaineering training. Very, very simple. Do lots of cardio at moderate intensity. And that may sound very, very oversimplified, but it's actually the backbone of what's called the classic endurance training model. So 
mountaineering fundamentally is just like training for a marathon. A marathon runner has to go out there for, say, three to six hours and sustain a moderate pace. They are not sprinting. They are using a pace that is as fast as they can go, but also sustainable for a long time. Mountaineering is just like that, except on steroids. You're probably on your summit day, depending on what you're gonna, what you're doing. Um, gonna be out there anywhere from six to fifteen hours, and you're going to be in the same boat as that runner. You're not gonna sprint to the top. You have to take a measured pace that you can sustain for a long, long time, and you actually have to prepare your body to work for long periods of time. So how do you do that? Exactly what I said. Lots of cardio at moderate intensity. And you probably already have a million questions about that. So let's break it down just a little bit further. First of all, how much is a lot of cardio? Uh, There's two ways to look at it. One, If your climb is relatively short, say you're climbing a 14er in Colorado, you can actually work up to about the same volume for one day. Say your goal is to climb Mount Bierstadt in Colorado, it's a 14er. It takes most people maybe about three or four hours to climb up, maybe three hours to come down. So your longest training hike, wherever you are, you could, you could aim to work your way up to seven hours of cardio at one time. That would be one way to do it for a relatively short goal. For longer goals, let's say that you're trying to get in shape to do the Grand Canyon R to R to R, which is hiking 42 miles, 11,000 feet of gain, and it takes about 20 hours. And let's say that you happen to live in North Dakota, where it's super, super flat. You're probably never gonna do a 42 mile hike during training, so how high exactly should you try to go? For most people, working up to about eight to 10 hours of moderate intensity cardio a week in the months before your climb is a pretty good goal. That's gonna get you ready for most objectives. And it can actually be a little less if you can't quite get up to eight hours. Don't scrap your plans, but eight hours is a good place to shoot. You can also go longer if if it works with your schedule, but for most people who are working a full-time job, I find eight to 10 hours is about the limit of what they can fit into a busy life. It's also important to keep in mind that this eight to 10 hours is temporary. You're not gonna do this for years at a time. (laughs) Really, you're going to work your way up to that level and you're gonna try to sustain that for at least six weeks before you actually go and do your climb. So that's that's, um, called working up to your peak period. You don't live your whole life doing eight to 10 hours of cardio. You're just there during this very important time right before you go where you're really pushing your fitness. And then afterward, you can go back to more of a normal life. Depending on what you're going to do, you might take a break. You might drop that training volume just a bit, but eight to 10 hours at the peak is what you're shooting for. And so it's so that we said it's lots of cardio at moderate intensity. What exactly does moderate intensity look like? This is very easy to get wrong, by the way. And I have certainly got it gotten it wrong in my mountaineering life, much to my detriment. Biggest mistake, and the one that I made, is actually going a little bit too easy. And there are a lot of books, a lot of training programs out there that actually talk about moderate intensity as being kind of easy. I know when I was reading 
Trading for the New Alpinism, which is an amazing book, by the way. I'll put a link to it in my show notes if you want to check it out. It really is specific to training for mountaineering. It goes very deep into the physiology of why all this stuff works and how to write programs. But my biggest criticism of the book when recommending it to lay people is that it talks about moderate intensity as being somewhat easy. And it actually says things like, oh, you might actually have to back off your intensity a little bit. And it talks about being able to breathe easily through your nose and carry on a conversation very easily. And and, and honestly, it might be true for the people who wrote the book. The people who wrote the book are Steve House and Scott Johnson. They're both very accomplished mountaineers and elite athletes. But I think what happens for those of us who are really not <laughs> trading for mountaineering for a living is that moderate intensity feels a little bit hard. This is actually backed up by research when they took ordinary people and had them exercise at their aerobic threshold, which is kind of the physiological marker for moderate intensity, that the people reported that it felt a little hard to them. And on a scale of one to 10, it felt like about a six, 10 being as hard as you can go, zero being at rest. They felt that exercising at that intensity was about a six. And that's a good way to gauge it for yourself. Um, you can actually do this with heart rate training. I will put a link to the po a post in the show notes that shows you how to find the heart rate that corresponds to your aerobic threshold. But for now, if you're just getting started, the easiest way to do it is just to exercise at a six out of 10. We also call that ratings of perceived exertion, that one to 10 scale. So so readings of perceived exertion or RPE, you want to be mostly working out at RPE 6 in order to get the results that you want from mountaineering. Another way to feel into your correct intensity is that it also should be pretty sustainable. It should feel a little hard, but if you're in somewhat good shape, you should be able to exercise at that intensity for about an hour at least without really dropping off, slowing down, feeling like you need to ease up. It should feel somewhat sustainable when you're at the right intensity. So pretty simple, right? You're gonna do a lot of cardio at a moderate intensity, RPE6 on the one to 10 scale, and that's gonna be the thing that's gonna get you in shape for mountaineering. That type of exercise is actually gonna make up about 80% of your training time. So it seems very, very simple, and I'm sure, as I'm saying it, you have a million questions. So I'm gonna wrap up today by answering a couple of the most common questions about the classic endurance training model. So one that comes up very often in my group is, I'm a brand new beginner. I don't think that I can actually push myself up to RPE6. Where do I start? And that's an excellent question. So really, if you are brand new, you shouldn't try to push up to RPE6 right away. Where I want you to start is with the volume. So doing lots of cardio, which may be new to you. And cardio for you as a brand new beginner is going to look different than someone that's a bit more advanced. It might look like walking. It might look like going hiking, but with a very light pack on flat ground. The most important thing is just to get out and do more of it. In fact, in the very beginning, when you're doing 
doing these low intensity activities, try to get out every day or almost every day, even if it's just for a few minutes. A good benchmark to shoot for during this stage is to work up to 30 to 60 minutes of exercise a day, even if it's just walking. If you're not able to do 30 a day in the beginning, just do what you can. If you do like five minutes, it's totally fine. It's also fine to break up your exercise sessions. So maybe you're doing five minutes a couple times a day and then gradually you'll be able to lengthen those and you'll be able to do 30 minutes at one time at some point. Just keep getting out there, keep being active, keep working at it every day, work for consistency. That's really going to be your goal at the very beginning. And as you're able to get to that point where you can do 30 to 60 minutes a day, you can add a little bit of intensity. And in the beginning, that just might look like playing with speed. So you look ahead, you see a mailbox, you're like, I'm gonna power walk to that mailbox. And you pick up the pace, heart rate goes up, and you go up to the mailbox. Another way people do this is with music. If you have your headphones on while you're exercising, maybe you power walk through the choruses of the songs and then you walk normally during the rest of the song. And eventually you're gonna be able to do intervals at RPE6. So maybe you start with one minute at that intensity, you really pick up the pace, you push yourself a bit, and then you stop after a minute and allow yourself to recover. And then you can extend those intervals to two minutes, five minutes, until you're able to go 30 to 60 minutes at RPE6. That's really the way to do it. Another question that comes up is which exercise is the best to do? So really in the beginning, any cardio works. And really when you're first establishing exercise habits, it should be stuff you enjoy. So whether you're popping in the Zumba video, you're going for a bike ride with your kid, you're power walking with your friends around the park, you're going on a hike, whatever really motivates you, helps you get consistent, helps you get out there is, is, a, is good exercise, good cardio for the general fitness phase. Whenever you're a little more advanced and also whenever you're getting closer to your climb, when you're a few months out, you're going to want to do types of exercise that are more specific to mountaineering. So that might look like hiking and climbing mountains, if you have access to one, is obviously the most specific. But others that are pretty close, you can get on the treadmill and put the incline up to 8 to 15 degrees, start walking. If that feels too easy, you can add a pack with a little bit of weight to up the intensity. Another way you can create that sport-specific movement of stepping uphill is by climbing stairs. And the best way to do it is to use real and fixed stairs, whether they are in a building or if there's a stadium near you where you can walk or run on the stairs, an amphitheater, whatever works for you and whatever you have available. Once again, wearing a backpack can also increase the intensity. If you're having a little bit of a hard time getting up to RPE6, putting on a backpack and carrying a little bit of weight will usually up the intensity to the point where you can get there. And that's true for hiking as well. Some people have a hard time really pushing up to that somewhat hard intensity, and you can do so by putting on a backpack. Notice that all of these exercises work really well, even if you're a flatlander, if you're at sea level. 
it may seem like a huge advantage to have access to a mountain in order to train for mountaineering. And I won't lie, in some ways it is. But really, especially in the early stages, you can recreate sports-specific fitness so easily just by doing some of these exercises. And finally, what about strength training? This is the one everybody (laughs) jumps up and down and waves their hands like, hey, hey, what about lifting weights? That's supposed to be really important. And I'm going to be really honest with you. Strength training is important. Strength training will help you. I certainly plan to talk about strength training on this program. However, strength training is not in the 80%. It's actually gravy, not potatoes. And this may be shocking to you if you've read a lot of mountaineering books, if you've worked with a personal trainer. I'll tell you a story. Whenever I and my classmates were getting ready for our graduation climb on Mount Rainier, several of us hired personal trainers. There were three of us, actually, including myself, that went out and hired trainers. And it was a very enlightening experience. It was fun to watch because none of them heard our goals and said right away, you need classic endurance training. All of them focused on strength training and very little on cardio. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, even in Colorado, where we're, li- where we're living, not too many people hire trainers for mountaineering. I don't think your average trainer has had too many people come to them and say, hey, I'm going to climb Mount Rainier. What do I do? I do find it fascinating that none of those trainers equated climbing a mountain with something like running a marathon. Certainly, you would never say to someone who's running a marathon, hey, you, you really need to work on your squat. Let's get at it. <laughs> Um, But that's exactly what happened with the mountaineering. We all came out of it with like very good weightlifting form. Um, One of them was very period, periodized, which I think was probably the most helpful, meaning they worked on heavy lifting and then muscular endurance. But none of the trainers emphasized cardio, which I find mind boggling. And I find it especially mind-boggling considering we live in Colorado where a lot of people do long-distance running, trail running, mountaineering. I can't imagine what your odds would be to find someone that would recommend the correct program if you're in some place like Ohio, where I come from, where it's almost unimaginable to climb a mountain. Yet lots of people do. Lots of you are probably in those kind of flatland states. If your mind is rebelling against this and saying, I really need strength training to prevent injury. I need strength training to prevent fatigue. To some degree, you're right. But also keep in mind that until around the 80s, endurance athletes did not do strength training. The research at the time supported the idea that it was actually detrimental to them. So marathoners, very minimal strength training. Mountaineers, very minimal strength training. And yet, we had mountaineering for decades and decades before the 80s. And if you think of all the mountains we climbed, we climbed Mount Everest, as we as humanity climbed Mount Everest in 1950 or 1952, somewhere in there. So those mountaineers probably were not at the gym lifting weights. They were out doing things like cross-country skiing and actually hiking in the mountains and working on their moderate cardio, just like you're going to do in 2020. So there you have it, the secret sauce. Lots and lots of cardio, moderate intensity, intensity of six on a scale of one to 10. It's gonna make up 80% of your training time. I dare to say if it's all you have time for, 
definitely it's where you're going to get the most benefit. So it's where your energy and time should be focused. I hope that's super helpful as a first start. If you're not really focusing on moderate cardio or if you feel like you might be at the wrong intensity, you can start today to start tuning up your routine. Even if you're in pretty strict quarantine and only able to work out at home, this is something that you can start using to tune up your workouts. And I really hope that this has been helpful to you. And I hope you'll tune in for future episodes where we really dive into other fundamentals of mountaineering, what you need to know to get started, and what you need to do to change your life and become the person who can make it to the summit. Thanks so much for listening today. I'll see you next week. Hey friend, if you're enjoying the pod, there are two simple and free ways you can show your support. First of all, please share this with a friend who might find it helpful. And second, please leave a review on iTunes. Your support means the world to me. Thanks so much for tuning in.